Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Richard, and we are back. Now that the uh, hockey season has officially concluded, we're going to talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup and the playoffs. There's also been a little bit of Ducks news here and there uh, in this last month, so we'll cover that as well. Plenty of fan questions to get to, and we also have the draft and free agency coming up next week, so we'll discuss that as well. So uh, I guess first things first, uh, what have you been up to, Eddie? Uh, we've kind of had a break in action, so uh, you know, what's going on with you? Just been hanging in there. Started working again, so getting some extra income. So that's that's always a plus. Went to my uh, my third Vegas trip. Uh, I just had to get out and a little a little break from California, which was nothing short but fun. I stayed at Mandalay Bay. Was extremely impressed with them from start till when I left. Minus spending uh, seventy dollars on two drinks at the pool. That was kind of excessive. But I, I, yeah, I forget it's Vegas, and at, at least they, they did hook it up and put a little bit more alcohol, and it was probably one of the best mojitos I had in a long time. So that's a positive, but I had overall fun. I didn't jump uh, off the stratosphere this time, which I'm planning to again at night, so hopefully my next time I go there, I can do that. Um, been hitting the gym still really a lot. Uh, lost some, I lost some serious weight from 225 to 207 now. Uh, my pants fit loose. My shirts are a little bigger, so I had to buy some more clothes. But that's something positive. Um, I finally did get a Wild Wing jersey. I've been searching for for a very long time. I almost bought a fake one, but luckily, a lot of the fans on social media kind of schooled me on, on what to look for in that jersey. Mike, I was, I think, writing you once every other week, showing you pictures of certain jerseys, and you were right there helping me out too. And also, I did finally get one of those uh, tank tops from Bench Clearers. Um, they're having a, a sale right now, a twenty percent off sale. So I ended up getting one of those, and I like it. It feels really light, and the, and the material is great. The picture quality is awesome, so I can actually wear something Dutch related, like a tank top that looks like a jersey, especially in hot days like this. So that's pretty much it, Mike. Uh, how about you? I, I know you were uh, you're on that weight loss thing and running, and and you also ate somewhere too, which I'm kind of jealous of. Uh, how, how you been doing? <laughs> Yeah, I know I've been the same way as you. I've been, you know, drinking less, uh, just eating better. Really got back to, to running uh, lately for me. Uh, kind of talked about some of the stuff on my Facebook page. Uh, it's just been, you know, a hard time this year with everything going on, trying to stay in shape. And, and, you know, you're stuck at home like most of us. You're not working or you're only working a little bit or whatever's going on. So, um, yeah, I trimmed down a lot, uh, which was a good thing. And um, what ended up this last weekend was my wife's birthday. So her and a couple of her um, girlfriends and their husbands, we all went to uh, Solani's, which was nice because we were able to eat inside. You know, it opened back up finally in California, which was a, a good thing. And, you know, it's always a good time when you go there. Of course, the steak's always amazing and whatnot. So mainly that's that's really it. I just I've been working, too, and then just uh, working out, you know, uh, just trying to stay positive. You know, that's the, the main thing, which has been hard for this year, Eddie. Oh, exactly, and, and I feel you on that. I've been trying to 
you know, instead of trying to sulk on, on this whole year, I just try to turn everything positive, especially that, that first time I talked about jumping off the stratosphere. I wanted everything to, to move forward from there. I've been doing that. Uh, luckily, my, my like one of my best friends, uh, John John Bash, he's a, a world-class athlete. He's a power lifter, competitive. He has the national record for, uh, for bench in his weight class. He's going for the world record next. So he's been helping me a lot. i just been, you know, being a sponge and having uh listening and doing everything he tells me to do and it's been working i go to the gym uh nice routine i see people i know they, they told me as one girl told me today she's like hey she was i could see like a lot of progress you know from me when you first started coming how early you know i was a little bit more plump now i'm i'm kind of toning down and, and feeling good i'm in the best shape of my life in years and i feel great just trying to stay positive though every day like just uh even on those bad days too just kind of kind of look at you know that glass half or no half yeah half full not half empty i don't want to say it backwards so just been doing that so i've been uh banking on that and it seems like you're doing well too mike and like you said that, that steak at sonny steakhouse i've never had a steak that great in my life and it was it was actually good that you actually got in there to sit in i live in la county right now and you really you can't do that unless you sneak in a few places that i'm not going to throw their names out there i'm not going to burn them but feels like I'm, I'm doing something behind my parents' back, but I had to sneak through the back doors of restaurants just to sit down and eat. Yeah, it is. It's tough right now. You know, we got we got lucky. Uh, it's the first time, too, all of her, uh, like all of us uh, couples that we know each other, like actually like got together, you know. And, of course, we followed all the rules. You know, we did all this. They had the social distancing and the masks and all that. So anybody that saw the post that, you know, was thinking, you know, that we didn't do the rules or whatever we did, we followed all the rules. So so don't don't kill me. But uh, you know, they allowed us to be able to eat there and had it all spaced out and everything. So even with that, it was still a good time. And yeah, it worked out. And I've just been doing some other projects around the house too. I've been having some work done and stuff like that. If uh, you hear any weird noises in the background, that's that's probably what's going on. But hopefully you don't. Um, but uh, let's talk about hockey, man. The uh, Stanley Cup, right? The Tampa Bay Lightning, the team that uh, we predicted won. They ended up beating the Dallas Stars. Uh, pretty thrill, uh, thrilling Stanley Cup final. Even though it was the team that Eddie and I picked to win, I kind of actually wanted Dallas to win in reality. Uh, I was one of those people that wanted Corey Perry and Cagliano and Hudobin, you know, the, the former Ducks to win. But I thought it was really interesting talking to people about this whole thing. It sounded like a lot of people on social media really wanted Dallas to win. And then there was a handful of people that were kind of like, well, if Cagliano wins, cool. You know, Hudobin, cool, but Perry, I'm kind of eh. It was interesting to see the opinions, uh, but but a lot more people for Perry than I really thought that there would be. I thought that was kind of interesting, Eddie. What did you kind of make of, like, you know, we put out those some of those questions to see how people uh, felt, because I know when we both said we thought Tampa would win, and they did, we got flooded with, like, oh, I want Dallas to win, I want Dallas to win. I'm like, well, I understand. I wanted them to win, too, but I was going with, you know, who I thought would be the better team. Yeah, and then watching Dallas uh, uh, in this, uh, all their series, uh, a little bit of a dirty team. And I know a lot of fans, if if Dallas would have done that to the Ducks, the way they played against the Avalanche and the Knights and Tampa Bay, you'd be changing your tune and hating Dallas right now and would never want them to win because they were just kind of a dirty team. They didn't need a, to play that way, but they did. Perry being Perry, I, I get the things that he does, but him uh, spearing people in the groin, uh, using the butt of his stick to hit some guy in the face. Those kind of things are just, like, come on, you're just asking for trouble because I don't care what sport I'm playing. If, if someone hits me in the groin or hits me in the, in the cheekbone with their stick or anything, 
I, I'm doing some damage. So I didn't like that. So I didn't really want uh, Dallas to win. On a, a, this, this, this way they've been playing that dirty way. And Perry, I, I was one of those fans that's never really been that much of a fan from, you know, of Perry's. I, I respect everything he's done. Uh, the play style, the Stanley Cup, the, the 50 goals, uh, all that stuff he's done for the Ducks. But then he just... He does those other things that I don't like, so I was like, I was okay with him not winning. I was more, I uh, felt bad for Kudobin. He played great. Uh, he was that backup goalie that just assumed and, and rose up to the occasion and, and became a starter in Cogs. I, I don't know what person can hate Cogs, but it would have been really good to see him lift the Stanley Cup and even former teammates, him giving it to Perry or vice versa. That would have been that would have been kind of cool too. And another one probably is not too popular. Uh, I think Joe Pavelski would have been good to see him lift the cup. He played. Uh, he I think he played great. He was probably one of the Dallas's best players of of the whole entire playoffs. He was definitely a thorn in, in the Avalanche, and he just one of those guys. He he knows where to be in front of the net, and he just continuously gets those tips and those tips in. And I I know he practices that like a hundred tips per practice, but it shows. So I mean, regardless, it was a good series. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you have McElhaney, you have Shannon, you have Maroon, that one, which people, a lot of people were upset last night because because Maroon won it, but, you know, they played well. Uh, congratulations to Stamkos, too. I know he played when he was hurt. He tried to come back in. He did score a goal, but I think he still deserves it. He dressed last night, and it, it was awarded to him as the captain, and, and he's been one of those players that elevated his team and makes everyone around him better, so congratulations to them and, and Stamkos. Yeah, I'm with you. I, it was nice to see Stamkos win the Stanley Cup. You know, I, I, I was rooting for him, too. So I kind of had, you know, mixed feelings, a little bit more for Dallas, like I said. Uh, the only thing I, for me that was kind of the issue is I just really didn't like the officiating. I know we talked about it in our, our group chat. Um, you know, it, it just seemed like you had one team that would get a penalty and then the refs would, like, you know, do a makeup call or, like, uh, as we talked about before recording today, that, you know, they go in the locker room and like, okay, like, you know, we called too many this way or we called one bad that way and whatever. I don't know. It's just too much even up refereeing. I just didn't like that. And I also don't like uh, the way that one of those games ended too in Tampa Bay, you know, got that power play on, on a kind of BS, for lack of a better term, penalty, and then they won. You know, I, I just don't like that. It just kind of wrecks it for me. I, I hate when there's a bad call and then that directly results in the outcome of the game being affected, which it did there because they scored and won. And, uh, you know, I just don't like that because even if you're that team, then I'm like, okay, great. Now the other side's going to feel like they got cheated and then their fans are going to be upset. I, I don't know. It's just kind of weird for me. I just didn't really like the officiating. Uh, I did think overall the NHL with the whole entire thing, they did a really good job, especially with, you know, the bubbles uh, stuff that they had to do, locking down everybody, making sure COVID wasn't an issue. Uh, I think overall they did a great job. I just uh, that was my kind of my one little thing I just didn't really like Eddie about uh, you know it was just the officiating in the uh, Stanley Cup final. Oh, I agree, and great job by, uh, by the uh, National Hockey League to put that together. Um, it always seems like it's a it's a common theme in every season, and it seems that it's getting worse and worse of of these referees just not making the right calls, or they feel obligated when they do make a wrong call to kind of get one back for the other team and that's not the way it works it just throws off the integrity of the game the league really needs to look at this and figure out a solution uh, so they can have these these playoffs run more smoothly and not just the playoff but but the regular season and it's not just ducks fans complaining and it's every every fan base has something to say bad about the uh, 
about the referees and it's just they're not making these right calls and it seems like they're blowing some of the games and hey you make the wrong call at the wrong time and yeah it's, it's a seven game series but that changes the whole like momentum of the team and and the series i don't know it's just that's one thing that annoys me it's not consistent and it's just it ruins the integrity of the game for me i really hope the league which i doubt they're going to do anything but I, I really wish they would step up and and maybe educate them or train them better or something. I, I don't know what the solution is, but that's just always a, a big factor in, in every series and, and every year. Yeah, I agree. Well said, Eddie. Uh, one other little thing just to wrap up on the Stanley Cup final. We did have uh, two bracket challenges that we were in. My buddy Andrew, uh, who also runs a podcast called uh, Deep in the Crease, if you haven't checked him out, had one with us and a couple other podcasters. And uh, we basically annihilated everybody in that group. I did post that we had won, I think, halfway through the playoffs already. But we ended up with like 200 points higher than like the second place team. So um, Eddie and I did good in that one. We had picked Tampa Bay to win it all. And, and obviously that helped out too. And then we also had our own bracket challenge, which um, Steve won. He had picked Tampa Bay along with a couple other people that came in second and third. I actually ended up fourth, which is kind of the highest uh, and, and I think that any bracket that we've had before, though, I wouldn't accept a prize if I was the top third or top three. But uh, Steven ended up winning a $200 gift card from Cool Hockey. So thank you, Cool Hockey, for that. I still got to contact the second and third place winners. So I don't want to say anything on here, but they're going to get stuff as well. So thank you for everybody that did that. I hope you had fun. I know, you know, no Ducks hockey. It's kind of been a weird time, but uh, at least we were able to have a bracket challenge and, and people got involved and had some fun with that. And, you know, uh, we ended up winning. We got uh, supposedly some beer from Andrew he's going to send us, and then we're giving out some prizes on our own thing. So thank you for everybody for doing that. And uh, we'll kind of roll into the Ducks now. We'll kind of get caught up, really, um, what's going on in this last couple months and where the Ducks are at. Uh, a lot of this information that we get is uh, from Cat Friendly. So if you have a question about you know the, the numbers and whatnot, that's where we're getting these from. I just put that out there up front in case there's something different or you see something else. But in terms of the Ducks and where they're at right now, it's kind of a tough situation because we are going to talk a little bit about free agency. We've got a lot of fan questions to answer on the show. But according to Cap Friendly right now, the Ducks are only at 470,000 uh, cap space available right now, which is basically almost you know nothing. So the Ducks are in a tough spot. Um, they did, uh, like we said, we, I know we did talk about some of this in the last show, but just kind of a recap. Uh, they signed some entry-level contracts. Uh, Jack Benini, uh, Bryce Kendop they brought on. Trevor Zegras got his entry-level done. Hunter Drew, uh, Roman Derny as well. They also signed uh, Cody Curran uh, as well to bring him in. And, and a bunch of the other guys that they re-signed or gave extensions to is Sam Carrick, uh, Sonny Milano, Troy Terry, Brendan Gooley, Christian Juice, and uh, Yanni Hakapa. And as well, Jacob Larson. So they brought a bunch of guys back. There's still some question marks with some players. Um, some of the notable ones out there that are uh, restricted free agents that they haven't made a decision yet on, or at least at the time of this recording, because who knows, it may change in the next day. But Chase uh, DeLeo, Alex Dostal, and Kiefer Sherwood. So there's those guys to still look for. Uh, we know Patrick Eves is done. Um, so he, he'll be out as far as unrestricted free agents. And, of course, Ryan Miller still a big question mark on that one as well. Eddie, I know there was another article on him in The Athletic. They were talking about it. He hasn't decided. I think it's kind of interesting. But what do you make of this Ducks situation right now? It's kind of it's kind of tough. They don't really have a lot of room. The only other thing 
Uh, and we'll go into more depth about it. But uh, with Kessler, uh, I'll just mention the number part of it. Um, you know, his contract's $6.8 million, So LTIR, they can do that and get some more money. But outside of that, it, this is a pretty, uh, you know, tight cap, uh, you know, going into the draft and the free agency, Eddie, as far as the Ducks and what they can do. And Perry's contract comes back to haunt us uh, come next season. So it's not really something we can go out there and you see these big name free agents and you want the Ducks to go try to make a run at them. I mean, trust me, who wouldn't, uh, who who is a Ducks fan wouldn't want the Ducks to try to make a run for Terry Krug? Uh, He's, or Troy Krug, or whatever. Um, He'd be a great addition and instantly boost up, you know, our, our, our defense, our, our defense. He's a top player, but we just can't do it right now. And still, I don't know where the Ducks are as an identity. Like, like what are we doing? This whole little cute term because it, you you want, you want to put a bow in a, a participation trophy by saying retooling, but it's not. We're in the rebuild. We, we took on a bad contract for a draft pick. We're that team right now. Um, I know Arizona was that team years ago when they took on bad contracts uh, just to get you know their cap up and to get some uh, some draft picks, but. Ducks don't really have an identity. Like, what are they gonna do if we throw in a, a good player from free agency? Is that really gonna fix our, our solution? We have a, a big uh, defense problem. We have power play problems. And, uh, special teams haven't hasn't really been there. We have a lot more to fix than adding one or two good players from free agency that we probably can't afford right now. Uh, so it's gonna be really interesting. I don't expect the Ducks to go all crazy and try to go after these big name free agents. Uh, just some minor moves as as Murray usually does, and you have to think too. Murray's not one of those GMs that that wants to go out there and make a big splash. I think Shattenkirk, uh, him trying to acquire or assign Shattenkirk last season was probably like the biggest splash of of you know of the free agency and stuff and deadline stuff, or the free agency I should say. Um, other than that, he didn't really do anything, and I don't really expect him to do anything. Uh, I'm I'm more. Uh, I'm more willing to see what happens at the draft and who, who we get at our pick. The Drysdale, if he falls that low, if we pick him, that's what uh, I'm more interested to see. And that's really going to see if the Ducks uh, have more of a future. If, if they don't uh, pick the right guy, he just ends up a bust. That's going to be bad, too. Yeah, I'm with you on that, too. I think the draft, it's all compacted, right? So you've got those two days of that and then the free agency right after that. So, you know, we've got a crazy week coming up here. And obviously, we'll have a show after it's all said and done. The, the dust settles talking about it. But I think you're right. Uh, Murray's going to worry about the draft and figuring that stuff out. I also have uh, Thomas is going to come on towards the end of the show. We're going to talk a little bit about that. He's written some articles on this and, and get his take on what he thinks the Ducks will do, at least you know in the first round and whatnot. So we'll have a little bit more discussion on that. But uh, in terms of what we're looking at now with this team, there's not a lot of room. We don't have a backup goalie right now, so that's kind of an issue, right? We we've seen Ryan Miller post some some uh, photos of pads, uh, new duck colored pads. So th- does that mean he's coming back or not? I don't know. He keeps you know he keeps going back and forth. There's not really been a, a, an official announcement yet, so there's that kind of issue. Um, the defense, as you touched on, is a little bit of an issue. The Ducks still haven't signed Irwin or Delzato. They're both um, unrestricted free agents, so I don't know if either one of those guys is going to come back. I, I don't think both will. You know, Maybe one, I don't know, but for sure both of them aren't going to return. So there's some things in, you know, the Ducks have to work out and, and try and figure out. Um, another thing that was kind of brought up, and 
I'm glad it was because Eddie and I, we kind of looked into this too, uh, as far as trying to clear cap space. We are talking about Kessler and the LTIR. Uh, Andy Strickland of Fox Sports brought up that he said the Ducks are not looking to buy out Dave Backus. So there was another thing that we thought, okay, that they could try to do that to make some room, but they're they're not going to do that. So they could have gotten you know a few more million uh, back by doing that. So that's where they are. Um, I know there's some rumors too out there. I think Eddie, you want to cover these. Uh, a couple websites are talking about certain players out there. Uh, maybe you want to just bring this up and, and kind of discuss your thoughts uh, on you know just rumor mill basically on social media. Yeah, uh, about Strickland's comment. Unless there's a, I guess, a penalty-free buyout period, it makes no sense for the Ducks to buy out another contract. Just uh, we still have to worry about Perry's this season. Um, I think uh, Backus is 50 games away from hitting 1,000. Let, let him hit that that milestone, and let him bring his leadership ability and, and teach the young kids how to be that leader. And you know, he, unfortunately, he, he wasn't the player he is anymore. Uh, he's working hard in Minnesota right now, training over there. Um, where he lives in the off season, so hopefully he comes back and contributes uh, in, that, in that bottom six role. As far as other rumors that have been uh, talked about, the Ducks had uh, reportedly some interest in Sammy Votnin. You guys remember him? He should be familiar. Uh, Tony D'Angelo from the Rangers. Uh, those are posted via NHL Rumors Daily, and that's uh, one of the pages that's been hitting uh, some rumors right, and they've been calling things out that happen. Um, they mentioned on Spit and Chicklets podcast that it might be Gary uh, Bettman's burner account as a joke because they get some of these things are are most of them right so far, so that's that's one to to look at. Another one, uh, Jesse Pavarvi. We mentioned him from the uh, um, from the Edmonton Oilers. He sat out and played over there in Europe because of contract dispute. Uh, he was rumored to be traded uh, every single week of of. I think every team was rumored to have him from the Edmonton Oilers. They didn't trade him. Uh, he's been linked to the Ducks. And also another name that's been dropped is uh, Tyson Berry from the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I don't see the Ducks going uh, to any of these players. Uh, I always mention you broke up with the Ducks for a reason, so why would you go back to Votnin? I, I don't think he'd be a, 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 that much of a solution for the Ducks' defensive problems. I, I, I love Vats, and he comes back, and, you know, that's great, but it's, I don't think it's the best move. Tony D'Angelo is interesting. I would like him. He 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 has a lot of potential, and he's he already he's already proven himself as a, a top four defenseman. And, and for the Ducks, maybe he can be a that top pairing defenseman. But the New York Rangers have a lot of issues. They have cap space too, and they really want a genuine number two center. And I I don't think that uh, Henrik would would make that possible. So I we can just scratch him out. Uh, we've we discussed Pavarvi that the asking price is too high. Uh, Barry's a low maybe. He had kind of a crap run in Toronto. He got a spark when Babcock was ended up getting fired, but he just still underperformed. He played great in Colorado, and I know his capability. Him had uh, him having the quarterback a power play. He has that potential, but I think the asking price is going to be way too much. And I just don't see that uh, him coming to the Ducks and, and providing the, the ultimate solution that's going to bump up the Ducks to be a contending team right now. I think the Ducks should have to worry about a lot more than bringing in one player to help out their team. I mentioned this numerous times because I don't want the Ducks to do this. And I'm not, that's one thing I'm glad that, that Murray's not trying to gamble on is trying to bring in players and try to gamble on players to, you know, to have that solution. 
you don't want to end up like like New Jersey, and they're kind of stuck with uh, like player like PK Subban that had like 18 points all last season, and has played terrible, and hopefully he steps up and he gives them a better season. But I, I just don't want to be in that predicament, and the Ducks are stuck with all these contracts or trading away players, and just. Just, just like the New Jersey Devils, they're I think they're further away from the Ducks than actually being competitive than the Ducks are. So that's my take on on those rumors. Yeah, I'm with you. I I don't see honestly, I don't see any of those really happening, especially when it comes to other players. You know that were on the Ducks before and coming back. Murray's kind of usually you know I don't really see that happening. Which uh, you know we'll also have a little bit of a discussion with Bobby Ryan too on this right because he got bought out. And I know a lot of people are like oh bring back Bobby right. So well I'll save that for a little bit later. But I, I don't really see uh, that kind of situation with Sammy Botnan. I'm not against it. I think we talked about that in the last show too. Uh, certain players that they try to bring back. Uh, you know I'm not to me it, it's not always a bad thing. Um, you know look at Francois Beauchemin right. But you know, it doesn't seem like Murray does that too many times. So, you know, I don't know if that would happen uh, or any of those other rumors as well. Um, you know, it's just those are all the names to look and, and follow. I think part of it that's tough, too, is like we said, you're up against the cap right now and the Ducks don't have a lot of room. They, you know, put Kessler on the LTIR. You get that space, but don't forget he's got a contract for the next two years and then he's out. So it's kind of a the Ducks are in a bad spot because if you do go out and get one of these big name players, and, and again, we'll have some more fan questions on this. Uh, you know, you may have them for, you know, a year or two or how are you going to work that out? And then when Kessler's gone, you don't have that LTIR. You're still paying Perry too, right? This next year, it's going to be terrible. They're paying him six mil. And then the following two years, they're paying him two mil. So it's going to drop down after this next year, but you're still paying him on top of that, which is, you know, making more problematic. So yeah, that's why I, I kind of tread lightly with this. Plus, we saw at the trade deadline, Murray went nuts and basically uh, you know undid some of the stuff like getting rid of Devin Shore after he traded him for Cagliano and things like that so I, I would take all rumors involving big names with a grain of salt I'm not saying that the Ducks can't get it done um, but you know there's it would have to be some kind of a trade it wouldn't be just some kind of uh, free agency signing in my opinion uh, and that kind of brings us to our next topic because we had uh, Adam.T-Town uh, asked us, you know, will the Ducks sign Line A, right? Because that's another name that's been thrown out there, you know, throughout the um, the league. And it, and it goes towards something that Eddie found, which was pretty cool, is uh, Puck Empire had a discussion about things that the Ducks could do, and it involved a trade with Patrick Line. Um, they, they said blockbuster trade. They And this is kind of what they suggested of how to, like, rework the team. Like Eddie talked about this, this retooling, rebuilding, all the silliness. But this was kind of their roadmap of, hey, this is how you can kind of get the Ducks back in the right direction. The the real big part of this was blockbuster trade. They were talking about the Ducks getting Patrick Laine, uh, bringing back Matthew Perot uh, in exchange for Henrik Manson, Dostal, and a 2021 third-round pick. I highly doubt this would ever happen. I mean, it's just too crazy for me. Uh, sending away, you know, we talked about who would be the next captain after Getzloff and all that kind of stuff. You know, Henrique, I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, Manson as well. You know, I don't know. That, that That's a pretty hard one to swallow. Uh, I, I just don't see that unfolding. But Puck Empire did have some other things on there that, that made more sense. And it's definitely Murray-esque for sure. Looking into things they talked about. Uh, you know, one of their RFAs that we mentioned that was unsigned, they need to bring back Sherwood. Uh, that's an absolute, uh, I agree. I, I love the guy. I think he's a great energy guy, good character guy to have. They talked about Mike Smith, uh, goalie, uh, possibly bringing him on. 
I could see that if Miller does retire. Uh, another interesting one uh, was bringing defenseman uh, Tim Heed. Uh, like we talked about, the defense has kind of been questionable, so that's something else, right? A couple UFAs uh, you know, on the cheap, so to speak, that they could bring. Then they also talked about a couple trades. They said maybe send uh, Rowney to Detroit for a seventh-round pick. Maybe. I could maybe you know see that. Uh, Delorier to Nashville for a 2022 fifth-round pick. I kind of highly doubt that after the extension he got. And then they also talked about Heinen to Columbus for a 2021 third-round pick. Maybe I could see that. But blockbuster trade, for sure I say no, Eddie. This other stuff is all pretty interesting. I like most of it. And I think... If those things don't all happen, or some of them, I could see similar type things happening. Uh, you know, like we said, Miller's up in the air, but you know, the Ducks are going to have to go get someone unless they bring up a goalie from the minors. Yeah, definitely. And it was really, really interesting to see this. Uh, thank you to the Puck Empire. I DM'd him, and even though I credit everyone for their work when I use it, I, I wanted that permission, and and they were more than happy to say, yeah, go ahead, go for it. I, I agree with all the the free agent signings or the restricted free agent Sherwood. Definitely, we want him back. Mike Smith is something uh, that that uh, someone that can take that kind of lower contract, and he still can be a, a capable backup goalie. And, and it seems like a Murray move. And Tim Heed's a right-handed defenseman that can play that bottom six or maybe the seventh defenseman, being upgrade and uh, definitely upgrade in Holzer and Dalzado. I would still like Dalzado to come back. I think he, uh, I think he's a, a decent seventh spot. He can play in that that sixth role if needed with injuries, which the Ducks have been plagued with for the last few seasons. I like Line. I, I think he has a lot to bring, and I think if the, the Jets trade him, it's gonna spark something. He's just gonna just go on an absolute tear. I just don't. I can't see this trade happening. Number one, I can't see Murray going for this big of a blockbuster. Number two, if we did trade out our second, our second, um, a center, it's uh, in Henrique and Madsen, we're just left with, you know, someone that's really inexperienced to take on that top six, uh, two center role, which isn't fair to throw him in there and expect him to perform, uh, especially given Rico's uh, last season numbers. And then Madsen, I still think he's going to have a breakout season next season. He had, uh, he was injured. He had a few rough patches. I, I, I saw that potential of him getting back to the form. But if we lose him, now we're down another top four defenseman, and, and that now our, our defense is even worse. And Dostal, I don't want to lose him right now. I don't know what he is. Uh, he, he seems like he has the capability of being, you know, a, a, a future. Uh, number one goalie, if not, you know, uh, a number two, a, a capable backup, one like one A, one B kind of goalie. I still want to see what he brings to the offer or what he brings to the table. But th- this trade doesn't really solve anything. Yeah, it's gonna get that top line of a few more goals, maybe increase the the power play goals. But I still can't see the Ducks, you know, just them changing their whole way and being a contending team, bringing in one superstar player like this, because there's still a lot of holes in the Ducks lineup and a lot of holes that are going to be. Um, all the trades minus the Delorier one makes sense, um, especially trade deadline last season. Marie traded a lot of those lower players, things like that. Um, Heinen, I think it's a little bit too early, but if he doesn't perform well, he's not reaching to the, the player that the Ducks want him to be, that, that development and Anaheim's not going great. I mean, sure, shoot him to Columbus and get a third round back. I think that's a decent return for him. Rowney, I, I can see going for a seventh. But other than that, um, 
Yeah, I, I love the free agent signings uh, and the restricted free agent signings. I like the trades minus Delorier and the Blockbuster one. It's decent, but I can't see it happening, and I can just see it creating more problems in the Ducks lineup than it is helping. Adding about 15, 20 more goals for the season, uh, increasing your power play and being maybe the, the third to the last team in the power play and for special teams isn't going to get the Ducks to that next level and back to that competitive nature. Yeah, I, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head too. Just the same thing that I said as well. I, I just don't see it, uh, you know, the big name like that, and then giving up, like you said, you know, sending Uncle Rico and Manson out. I, you know, I just don't know. I, I just think that's a little bit too much. Uh, I know Murray likes Manson a lot, and you know, Henrique's been doing really great for this team. Obviously, you know, the Ducks didn't do well last year, but he's one of the leading scorers. So I, I just don't see that. I think. Murray's going to rely more on the young talent, like we've talked about. You you hit some of them, but you know we still have Comtois and Lundstrom in the system, right? Jones and Terry uh, that could pick it up as well. Um, there's just a lot of stuff. Plus uh, Zegras, of course, right? Is he going to bust out next season or the year after that? Who knows? There's a lot of hype around him as well. So I, I think the Ducks are kind of in this weird transition period. And I remember Eddie mentioned it earlier in the show. We don't really know what the Ducks' identity is right now. And trying to make a huge, crazy trade like that to really shake stuff up. I don't think it would help. I think it would hurt more, uh, as Eddie talked about. So, uh, But it's definitely interesting. Check it out. We had a discussion on social media about it. A lot of people weighed in there. We thank all your opinions on there. It was a, it was a good, lively discussion. Uh, a couple of little other things about the Ducks this last uh, month or so, Eddie. I know you kind of wanted to cover it. There was uh, the sad part of the show, unfortunately, but a couple of little uh, anniversaries that you wanted to discuss. And then we'll also talk a little bit about... Uh, uh, what some other ducks are doing as well, but did you want to cover the the you know you want to give the tributes um, to Soleil and uh, Todd Ewan, Eddie? Oh yeah, uh, just to piggyback real quick on, on what you mentioned about Jones and Terry, uh, I still think Terry is one of those players that can rise up to a top scorer for the Ducks, and Jones too. If you guys didn't see his Instagram stories, after throwing up a 315 pound bench presses, so he's been hitting the gym. Hopefully he's a uh, more stronger. And he's a force to be reckoned with. Uh, so look to for those two players to step up next season. Uh, the, the tributes, too, they're, they're a little bit sad, but we want to talk about them. Um, nine years ago on September 7th, the locomotive hockey team, including Roussan Soleil, uh, which it, everyone calls him Rusty, they died in the plane crash. Um, continue to rest in peace. We posted a, a pretty good tribute for him. Um, so that was pretty good. A little bit emotional to read a lot of the articles back on it and then seeing other teams' tributes to other players, especially the KHL and, and their tributes. Also, um, September 19th, former enforcer Todd Ewing, he died uh, via suicide, which is really unfortunate. He was part of the franchise's first ever trade and served as one of the team's first alternate captains. It's... Um, it's one of those things that's it's really sad uh, seeing videos of him, um, him writing the children's book. It's just how positive and happy he was. It just came to a shock to everyone. I know the Blues, it's a tribute too for him. He played for the Blues. It's it just one of those sad situations. Um, it's one of those unfortunate things. And I, I've lost people to suicide. I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys have. Um, and I, I, And Mike and I will always say this. 
and I think all of our DMP staff would say this. If you guys ever feel that way, you guys can hit us up. You guys can send us a DM. Talk to us. And we're more than willing to talk to you about anything. I don't care if you want to talk about your problems or we can just talk about hockey. You can talk about how much you hate this player or Murray's. Anything. I don't care you want to talk about. You want to talk about the difference between wet paint and dry paint or, or fast drying paint and faster drying paint. I, I, we're definitely willing to talk to you about anything. Get your mind off of it. I know it's hard. It's mental health is something that no one ever has a grasp on. It's really not really talked about, but it's something that that needs to be more talked about and made more mainstream, so people don't feel isolated when they're dealing with stuff and think they have the problem. Because no, it's not just your problem. It's all of our problems. Because whatever you're feeling, I'm pretty sure one of us has felt that some at some time in their life. But we had people to talk to, we kind of overcame it. So if you ever, ever need anyone to talk to, uh, go ahead and just shoot us a hello, shoot us a DM, don't feel embarrassed. Talk about anything, I, I don't care. And I know a lot of you guys DM me. I don't know if you guys DM me because of that reason, but I, I love talking hockey. And so all the people that DM me, I love talking. And I always respond. And we have a, a good chuckle and a good conversation about hockey. And it's just, you know, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I have a lot of people on Twitter and social media that I probably never even met before, but I still talk to, we still DM, we still have that personal connection and relationship, and I can call them my friends. Um, yeah, I was a mouthful. Sorry. Um, there's a, uh, one other, or two more tributes I want to do. 9-11 uh, just passed, and I want to just, uh, um, I want to throw that out there to never forget. Uh, 9-11, we all came together, and, and that word, united, we, st we stand, divided, we fall, really meant something. Um, I did an article on someone that lost a, a mother figure in the towers that uh, inspired him to join the Marine Corps, uh, him and his buddy. So that was uh, really um, insightful and an eye-opener. Um, so th that was pretty good to see. Uh, like I said, if you lost anyone, uh, I, I'm sorry, and, you know, we're never going to forget where we were on that day. And I can tell you, uh, my memory's shot, but I know exactly where I was and what I was doing that day. And it wasn't, it wasn't good to see. Um, on a, a lighter side, semi-ducks news, uh, September of 2018, um, I want to pay tribute to the glass at Anaheim Ice that was broken by either Kessler's shot or Blandisi's shot. Uh, Blandisi, I, I guess people at, at the practice said that Kessler was responsible for it, but Blondizzi took responsibility for it um, on social media. So uh, on the lighter side, and a little joke, uh, rest in peace to the glass at Anaheim Ice. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Eddie. Uh, but yeah, just to go back to what you said, any little thing uh, that you guys have that's an issue, uh, you know, I've talked to some people too, whether it's you're just having a bad time or whatnot, uh, if you need to talk to anybody, Eddie and I are always here. We've both gone through different things. And I'm actually going to open up about some more stuff here in a little bit in relation to Kessler's thing, which we all learned a lot. Or if you haven't heard, this is going to be new info for you as well. So talk about some more stuff here and, and maybe um, I can help somebody out too with this other situation. But before we get to that, just a couple little other things that were out there uh, regarding like, you know, former uh, duck type uh, players or staff. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs did hire uh, Ducks former assistant coach Paul McLean as their assistant coach and then his son is also an assistant coach with their AHL team the, the Marlies so it's just something to look at also Chris Stewart did retire from hockey and now he is a player development coach with Philly so a couple little things uh, you know just out there just little news if you didn't catch that and whatnot but kind of we're going to kind of spend some time on this this was kind of eye-opening thing uh 
you know, to, I, I guess for the Kessler part of it, though some of it for me personally isn't necessarily eye-opening, and I'll explain here. But if you didn't see it, they had a documentary. Um, Kessler was in it, Bobby Ryan, uh, the Ducks' former um, strength and conditioning coach for the goals, uh, Justin Rothlinshofer. Say that five times fast. But um, they were all in there, and they, they talked about uh, the situation involving basically pain pills, uh, specifically Tortorol, um, and just all the stuff. It's just crazy, um, uh, th- this whole situation. But what we learned about Kessler uh, is, it, I guess if you want to say he's retired, he's now kind of officially retired, which we kind of knew, but in the video they refer to him as a former NHL forward. And he talks about all the different um, you know issues he had. We know about all the multiple surgeries he had. He played up to you know his 1,000 game, which was the milestone that he wanted to get to. Obviously, the hip was a big, big problem for him, having to do multiple things with that. But with this Toradol thing, it's kind of crazy because he talks about it in here, and it's kind of a scary thing, Eddie. Is uh, you know that they had to rely on painkillers, which isn't really a shocker, right? I mean, we we kind of all know that if you look at the professional sports especially football and hockey right those are the two probably the most difficult ones that players turn towards pain pills i mean that, that's that's the nature of the game you get hurt um you try to play they either uh you know ha- have the pills that they take or they have the liquid injections that they take things like that and obviously there's a whole host of other therapies as well there's you know water treatment type stuff massages all that other kind of stuff but i think what was crazy about this and kind of disturbing from my point of view on this eddie is not that they have this, but as Kessler talked about in this video, and, and if you haven't seen it, please watch it. Um, we'll post, I think I posted the link on social media, but if we didn't, we'll, we'll revisit uh, that for you. But it's kind of disturbing, Eddie, that this stuff happens. And I understand the trainer situation, especially in the goals. Like, you're trying to get the players out there. Uh, there's also, you know, you're balancing that the player wants to play. The coaches and the team want that player to play, but then you're trying to weigh out the health concern. And a lot of times in the heat of the battle, um, you're intense, you want to play. I know that from playing football myself um, and and getting hurt as well. You want to go out there and, and just go back at it. But I think what's scary with this one specific drug is the other problems that come with it, Eddie, as far as like the intestine issues and stomach issues and things like that. And the lack of information that players are given. Um, I know the NHLPA is working on this because uh, they were talking about that and they're doing things at least to kind of rectify this. But it's a huge problem, Eddie. I think it's 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 just crazy because it's you know short term uh, effect, but you know to play in a game, but then it has long term repercussions. Oh yeah, it, it was kind of sad to see. It, this is really an eye opener, and I have that that I guess that hardcore. Uh, old school mentality that, that you're a warrior keep going but for them not to educate the players and and, and the players aren't going to sit there and ask them what this is for they want to go back out there and they want to contribute to their team and they, they want to have you know be those warriors it's just it's sad to see that and hearing Kessler that that can't even have a normal life and him t- talking about his sons they don't even ask him to play catch anymore because they know he's too much in pain Something like that's really a, it's horrible to, to see, and especially from a player like him. 
and he's not asking for your sympathy. He's not asking, you know, blaming anyone. He 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 posted on Twitter saying that they were his, his decisions to make, and he would do it all over again for his team and the game he loves. It, it, that's just the type of player he is. But there has to be a different way, and there has to be some more uh, educational tools that the National Hockey League to go for uh, this. This past season, they wanted to bring a, a, I guess they wanted to bring awareness to social issues that that are going on, and they put focus so much on that. But w- why not add some more focus on educating players on on pain pills and stuff? It's, it's it's not right to have them go and and kind of sacrifice all their body and, and their livelihood and their life after hockey and for what and it's for nothing after because once you retire you're done um, like Andy Sutton said on a spit and chicklets podcast like once you're done playing hockey there's no celebration there's no bottle of champagne you're just done everyone just kind of drops you and you're on your own and there has to be something that that can help out these players I remember in the army I broke my my during basic training I broke my thumb and they wanted to send me home because it was kind of it's kind of bad and I told the girls, like, hey, if you send me home, I'm not coming back. I'm not going to, you know, either I graduate with my original class that I started with or that you guys can file paperwork for AWOL because there's no way in hell I'm going to come back once you send me home. And what did they do? They gave me Percocets. They gave me painkillers, Tremadol. Um, and every time I asked for it, they didn't explain the, the repercussions. I didn't get, like, a big old paper or list like you usually get from your pharmacy that explains stuff. I, I just was given the pills and... You just go run with it, and you take it and, and move on and thrive on. And that's, that's the Army did a lot. They they just give you pills. I know a lot of you former service members from any branch, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, even up to now, I'll go to the, uh, like the VA or the doctor, and I'll just ask him for certain pills, and I get them. There's no question. There's no education. Um, that's that's my that's my responsibility. I have issues from the Army, and I'll, 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 you know, I'll take responsibility for that. And I've looked them up myself, and now I I switched up different medications that I take because I know the long-term effects on certain painkillers and things like that. But I I think it's the NHL's responsibility to to help out and explore other options. Uh, The former goals strength and conditioning coach, I I really hope that this isn't true from the Ducks, but, you know, part of me believes him, what he's saying. It's just disgusting that they would fire him and – and they want you to align, like you said, they want your alliance lies with the staff and management before the player. It just, I think that's disgusting. And I think that, I really hope it's not as bad as he describes, or maybe I just don't want it to, to, to believe that because Ducks are my team. But there has to be a different way, and there has to be a, a way that you can get these players to, to rehab their injuries, to get back to playing uh, to their capabilities, and then have a, a good life after hockey because you, you should be able to play with your kids, go play hockey with your kids, play catch with your kids. You shouldn't have to uh, just every single day have to do a routine just to be to function semi-normal. I don't know. This was a big eye-opener, and I hope uh, hope you guys watch it. It's only 30 minutes, no, 32 minutes to be exact. Um, it's a really good eye-opener, eye and I hope the league – really takes a look in this and takes um, takes this in and, and tries to educate their players and find other alternative methods than giving players a shot or shoving pills down their throat. Yeah, I mean, the, the part that you talked about too, as far as like the trainer having to do these things and the team doctors and stuff like that, that's what the league's trying to work on because there's kind of this, at least from what they were talking about in the video, this, hey, if you ask for a second opinion, 
you kind of almost get blackballed or you're kind of like, well, you know, you don't trust us, yada, yada, yada. And it's just like, well, no, it's, it has nothing to do with that. You know, it's, it's like you mentioned, it's my body, my health. I have to look forward to my life after my professional career. So I need to see, you know, what, you know, sometimes doctors don't always have the exact same opinions. So that's what the uh, Players Association is working on is um, allowing that without, you know, being it, not making it such a, you know, you're pressured to only listen to one person. So they are working on it. So we're going to have to kind of monitor that and see. But it is interesting. You watch that. It's a kind of an eye opener. Like Eddie, I, I had the issue with, uh, I didn't personally have the issue with uh, the pain pills, but I played football in college for two years and I played in a semi-pro league for uh, about five years. And it was the same thing. There were guys that would get hurt and, you know, I'm not going to dime anybody out, but there were people that, that had to take the pills and, and unfortunately opiates, you can get addicted to them and they can cause all kinds of these health problems that I saw with other people. A lot of it has to do um, with digestive and, and you know bathroom type issues and that's a sad thing that Kessler was talking about having this uh, now Crohn's disease I was talking about which is kind of a, a result of you know having these kind of pills or taking too many of them um, and I also you all know that my mom passed away on New Year's Eve uh, before the calendar year started but uh, she had that issue too she had um, some physical ailments and she got on these pills and I saw her go through the same thing where like Kessler was talking about my mom she would have to go to the bathroom you know a couple dozen times a day because it's just the way that the medicine worked um, and her functionality deteriorated because uh, I remember as a kid going to the duck games and it was always fun she'd go and we'd watch and then later on in life she couldn't because she couldn't sit there for three hours and watch a game she'd have to constantly be running back and forth to the to the restroom so things like going to movies or sporting events or anything that required long-term sitting she wasn't you know able to do and these kind of treatments really affected her too and that's really when i first got exposed to it and then i then that was more my i'd say high school end of high school um, college years and then of course like i said with football as well so i've seen this and again, if anybody out there, like we talk about the other mental issues, if any of you are having, um, you know, pain type stuff and you, and you want to know more about these kind of medications or whatever, Eddie and I both have experience. So definitely reach out to us, you know, or if you have a story you would like to share, um, we can share it on the future show or whatnot, or there's, or there's some other questions about it. You know, we're more than happy to address it. But, you know, unfortunately for Ryan Kessler, um, you know he, he's he's gonna be done and um it's just tough man i just hope that the the league works on this better because it, it's definitely something doesn't just affect nhl it happens and you know football is another big one like i said but it happens in a lot of sports too as well so um, um with that we'll get go ahead oh, Eddie. yeah, one more thing. yeah I, I did reach out to that the former strength and uh, conditioning coach um he, uh, he, he was thankful for me reaching out. Uh, he said he'd, he'd be happy to chat to see if there's a fit. So hopefully uh, I can talk to him more. And if you guys have any questions, I uh, hopefully he'd be willing to come on the show. And just kind of do a QA. and uh, You guys send us your questions regarding anything you have from that. Uh, or, or, or any like medication problems that, that you want to talk about. And he can educate you and he can answer those questions in the show. So um, if that's something that a lot of you guys would like, uh, send us a DM too with some questions and I can either see if he's willing to come on the show. If not, just shoot him your questions and then shoot you his direct answer. Um, either way, just to educate people and try to prevent something that's long-term and, and kind of make sure that a lot of people, 
just have that better quality of life because that's that's what it's all about. It's if, if you have a, a crappy, or I'll call it shitty too, quality of life. It's just that's that's the worst thing ever. No, I'm glad you brought that up, Eddie. I, I almost forgot. So look forward to that too. Even if we don't get him on the show, maybe we can at least have him do a Q&A and we can type up an article or something on that as well. So, But uh, look for that. Like I said, if you have any questions regardless, you can always hit us up about that. And speaking about questions, we've got a bunch of fan questions. So we're going to do that and then, then talk about a little bit more of uh, some league news here uh, in a minute. But... Um, a lot of questions about improving the Ducks team. Uh, kind of read some of these and Eddie and I can kind of just, we can lump them together because they, they overlap or they kind of go the same way. But we had uh, Tyler J6710, he asked, are there any options to address the needs that they have with cap availability? Obviously we talked about the cap space being super tight. Uh, the only relief coming in the form of Kessler is obviously we just went into his whole situation. Um, we had DA Poppy also asked, you know, will the Samueli spend money for a competitive team this year or wait for a cup run? Um, it kind of goes into that as well. And then we also had Larry, he asked about notable free agents. Uh, you know, Bobby Ryan, as we talked about, was bought out. Would the Ducks try and bring him back? Um, a lot of this, Eddie, we, we kind of covered it a little bit earlier, but you kind of look at some of the free agents. There's some names out there that we like. It, it, the Ducks could maybe try to bring back. I, I definitely think Bobby Ryan would be a tough one, though. Um, you know, his current salary is seven and a half million. He'd probably maybe get a little bit less, but like we said, you know, the Ducks get another backup goalie and then you have the relief from Kessler. You're still kind of up against the wall. Uh, I, I don't see Bobby Ryan coming back. Like we said, I, it doesn't seem like Murray is the type to bring back previous players, um, that often, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's a hundred percent no, but I, I just think it's a slim chance. Um, there's a couple other players we can mention on the list here, but Overall, you know, with these fan questions, what are your thoughts? I, I, I think, like you said, the team lacks a sense of identity. Um, and as far as the direction of the team, which I think is kind of the overriding issue of these questions, I don't see big name players coming. I see Murray focusing on the draft first, which he should because that's first, obviously, right? And then I think he's going to hope that some of these younger guys have breakouts um, this year, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Yeah, uh, same here. On Bobby Ryan, I think he deserves a little bit better. Uh, if you've had a, a bad run in, in with the Senators playing for them, he overcame his addiction. He still he stood, well. You never really overcome it. You're always battling it day in day out. Um, I, I know a lot of issues might trigger something if he comes back to Anaheim. Who knows? I I want him on a team that's that's competitive and he can. Uh, I guess get that 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 fire back in him and be that player that he was once he, he once was as much as i would love it and i would be probably one of the first people to get a bobby ryan jersey again i i just i want him to play somewhere where, where he has a chance to compete for the stanley cup and the ducks aren't in that position right now and i i think uh, one of the questions uh, if the ducks uh spend money for um you know uh free agency for a cup run and if there's any options, stuff like that. I think the biggest obstacle right now is Murray. And I, I'm sorry to say this, but I don't think he's a GM of the future. And I don't think he's going to be the GM that will ever bring a Stanley Cup to the Ducks. Thank you for everything he, you've done. And I, I respect that and, and love all the hard work and dedication you put into this team. But I, I just think I think we need to move forward and, and to go on to someone different that, that's willing to make some 
maybe some gambles and some bigger splashes that can help the Ducks elevate their game and to win a Stanley Cup. I trust him for the upcoming expansion draft, but I just I keep saying this. I know a lot of people agree. Maybe some other people have other opinions, but I just can't see Murray making the type of moves the Ducks need to to reach that Stanley Cup. He's been in this role for many years, and the Ducks have been on a dry spell or haven't haven't won at all, and they really haven't had that much success in the postseason. And I say that much because anything less than a Stanley Cup. Uh, where the Ducks had rosters years ago, it was a failure. I think it's time for a much-needed change. I, I know but that's one of the hardest things and probably most feared thing in America is change, but I, I think it's time to move on. And after the expansion draft, uh, uh, after the, that next season, I think it should be it for Murray, and we should try to bring someone in, uh, some fresh blood and you know some new things. We, we have a new coach now, a younger coach. He's still you know, filling it out and getting, uh, I guess, his feet wet in his second go-around. But I, I think it's time for a new GM. And I, I, that's one thing that I'll keep saying and I won't ever backtrack on. You know, and that was a hot topic uh, this week. You know, we saw Tampa Bay obviously win the Stanley Cup. Um, you know, Aaron and our, our staff is talking about their win-now mentality. Um, obviously, Phil, uh, super happy, right? He runs the, the Bay Bolts um, part of the Puck Network. And of course, them winning, he was super excited, which I, I don't blame him. And and he was very critical, like you were, you know, about uh, the GM. Um, you know, he wanted us to discuss how he hasn't done a whole lot uh, recently, as far as you know, big moves and whatnot. And George even uh, chimed in too, saying Murray kind of dropped the ball by not making a lot of big moves. You know, the Ducks had a cup window. Obviously, that window is now gone. And another fan question to kind of just put these all together. But we had a Preston House ninety two ask. You know, I hope the Ducks make the playoffs this season. Um, you know, if, if they end up finishing at the bottom again, do we go in a full uh, rebuild? And I, you know, I don't think that that's the answer. I don't think this team needs a complete makeover. Right? I mean, Murray already moved out some people to try and shake some stuff up. That stuff didn't work. So then he gets rid of those people. Um, that just hasn't worked out. The younger players, I think, have uh, worked out for the most part. Uh, unfortunately, some of the time we've lost some. Obviously, you know, uh, we talk about Theodore, and a lot of people saw what he was doing in Vegas, and you know, they're upset about that. So, I, I think he's done well when it comes to getting players out of the draft and picking up people, and I think that's uh, what they're looking at this next time around. But the majority of us, and I'm with you know Phil and George, and, and I think all of us on our staff, pretty much on the same boat and I know Eddie and I you and I have talked about this on the podcast several times I don't think an overhaul and rebuild of the entire team in terms of players is necessary I I really think the best thing to do uh is is to get another GM too I mean I I don't I'm not as critical probably as some of the other guys on our staff about uh Murray because I do think he has done some good things I just don't think that he can get us to that next level I, I think we're stuck, and that's the problem. And the more that we're stuck in this part, um, it's going to be tough. And I, and I think the patience is already worn thin with a lot of fans. Uh, I know it's worn thin on our staff, but if the Ducks somehow have a, a colossal collapse at the end of this, you know, the, or I should say the next season coming around, 
Um, you know, I, I do think Murray's the one that has that short leash, as Phil mentioned. I, I think he's the one that you have to look at because he has done some stuff, right? And then he's also gotten burned, too, as we talked about with Kessler. He kind of got burned, right, because he got hurt, lost a couple seasons out of him. Eves as well. Things that are kind of, you know, out, out of a GM's hands, right? Injuries, you can't necessarily control those. So I give him a little bit on that. But, yeah, overall, uh, there hasn't been a an, enough for me to see this team get uh you know pushed to the win now mode and everything like that and i just i hope the ducks do do well next season um you know even with the long break uh, i hope the young guys step up even if they make the playoffs and, and and can do a little bit of damage i think that would be good for them but uh i'm with you eddie i i just don't i don't see him getting us to that next level unfortunately yeah, it's, it's 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 sad because he's done a lot for the Ducks organization, but sometimes we need something different. Um, I always mention this retooling word. I think it's such a cute word just to keep uh, season ticket holders. And, and I, I think when he says something like that, you're not completely being 100% honest with the fan base, which I have another problem with. Just tell us how it is. Don't just – yeah, I, I know you have a marketing department. I know you have to keep your you know your sales up. I get that business aspect of it but just tell us what the hell is going on stop using these cute words stop saying stop telling us everything we want to hear during the off season or when you guys are are out of a playoffs or uh before the next season i'm tired of hearing i'm tired of hearing words i want actions and and maybe this team is not uh the team that should go on a full rebuild maybe like you said uh, it's problems to start at the top and maybe uh, something that needs to fire up the rest of the team will We'll start from the top, and, and that change was something that would be needed for the Ducks. Then maybe they don't have to go in this full rebuild thing. But the way it looks is it just the Ducks keep trending down, and you have to uh, you have to fix the problem before it gets even worse and even worse. And then we end up like a team like Buffalo or New Jersey now, or like past before Arizona. Uh, the broken window theory: if you leave a that that broken window on that car in the street, it's just going to cause more damage. You got to fix it right away. And, I think fixing it starts at the top, and maybe that that sends a message to the rest of the team. Hey, if we got rid of of our GM, the number one guy that makes all these decisions, if we bring in some new blood, maybe that fires up the team even more. Like, okay, let, let's do something now. And hey, everyone's in the chopping block. Even a, a person that's been on the team and our captain. Hey, you know, if, if they got rid of Murray and they're, they're willing to can him and bring someone in, maybe they might buy you out. So you have to you know be on your toes, which. I'm not saying Getzoff's the problem. I think Getzoff has been playing good uh, for his age. And I think he's one of the best captains in the league. But it just it, it might bring a, a and get some fire under some people and, and under him too. So I, I think that's what's something that hopefully the Ducks would consider, Ducks ownership considers, and moving forward. Because, like I keep saying, that logo on the front is more important than loyalty, more important than your friendship it's just it's business and the business about it is you have to win if not then what's the point of even coming to compete why don't you just call it quits or go to quebec if, if, if you don't want to have that mentality to, to be a stanley cup contending team every single damn season you play oh i mean you hit the nail on the head you also brought up getzloff on there one last like little like not really a fan question because it, it, I didn't really get, a, I guess, a specific one when we put out um, the request, but had other people asking. You remember Getzloff, uh, they said listed his house and Coda and all that. And people were wondering, like, is he going to get traded or what's going to happen and all that? And we talked about, oh, he probably moved back to the beach. Well, that's what happened. He did move back to the beach. So for those of you that were asking uh, what happened, he just moved uh, within Orange County. He, you know, So I don't see 
anything happening with him this year. Um, kind of what Eddie's talking about. But the next season is when it will be interesting to see you know, if they're going to bring him back or, or if he's going to retire or what's going to happen uh, from there. But at, at least for now, I don't see anything happening. So just wanted to touch on that real quick. So and then, our official ahead, Ducks and Pucks trade is Getzoff trades one house and he was acquired by a beach house. Cool. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's our big trade. There big trade news. He, he traded houses. <laughs> you, you, you have to, you have to put that in, in the whole description when you post the show. Get slop yes. trade update with a little yeah. asterisk on it because that'd be funny because people are gonna flip out when they see that. Oh yeah, they will. They will. Um, I guess next part is a little bit of league news to talk about before I bring in Thomas to talk about the. Uh, the, uh, the draft and whatnot, which will be the last part of this. But for Eddie and I, a uh, little bit of stuff going on around the league. I think the, the part kind of a thorn in Eddie's side is uh, the NHL awards. Uh, our boy Torts did not win, which we, we kind of figured on that. But, uh, Eddie, I think you weren't happy. One of your uh, one of your boys from Colorado got uh, snubbed, don't you think? Yeah, Nathan McKinnon again gets snubbed. The ten Lindsay dry saddle I can get that that's all that's all the team voting I I get that but I think the heart was more kind of a I guess a little I want to say a popularity contesting and I I don't know I, th- that just rubbed me the wrong way if, if people yeah I'm not taking anything away from dry saddle but I think McKinnon deserved it he's been snubbed for a couple years now um, I even think uh, Panarin deserved the heart before dry saddle but that's just me that pissed me off. Um, it pissed me off too that Joe Sackett wasn't even the in the top three as a, a GM because he made some really good moves and brought the Avalanche back to an elite team. But the worst was the the best coach, Jack Adams. Uh, and I think the Torts' old school mentality and outspokenness is a reason why he didn't win because it doesn't fit today's narrative. And it seems like the the, the National Hockey League is not giving these awards out to people who they really deserve, but it's more that who fits the narrative and who's the safest bet. And these media guys that vote and people that vote on this want to have that safe bet and not want to explain why they, they made the choice they did. I think it's absolute bullshit. And I think out of these all these awards, the best coach was definitely towards to bring Columbus, um, to, to rise them up with a team that should have been dead last. But... They got him in the playoffs, and they were a force to be reckoned with, and they made some damage in the playoffs. So uh, I, I just think that it, it's really unfortunate that he he didn't even you know he, or he didn't win this award. And and what's worse is I think everyone in the National Hockey League and the fans know why he didn't win it, and that's just really unfortunate the way the league is trending down and kind of digressing. And they they were the best league in the world, uh, but now they're just kind of stepping in and trying to to get into that bullshit of the world and the world's problems and, and making decisions based on that um yeah uh, other than that all the other awards i think they were well deserved um some p- people I, I probably wanted the awards to be a different uh player and i had reasons why but you know what regardless everyone that the other than the people we talked about um won the award another one i wanted to mention the calder the hughes uh uh, the Quinn Hughes and the McCarr one was so freaking close, and there's no loser there. Definitely, I, I'm more biased than McCarr because I watch him a lot more, and I watched him in the playoffs the season before and the way he, he plays. But other than that, um, that however is probably the the hardest one to to pick right there, and it was just 
all on skill and you can go either way and you wouldn't have been wrong yeah i agree with you i i, I thought most of them went well but yeah for sure the one for the coach i yeah you know i kind of we predicted that on the last show we, fi- we figured it was going to go that way at least not who was going to get it but we we figured torts wouldn't get it so that was kind of unfortunate so but um with that the, there's a little bit more league news you want to wrap up eddie you have a couple teams you want to talk about their moves and whatnot yeah the golden knights uh mark andre fleury's agent posted a picture of him with a blade through his uh, chest while he's in the crease wearing a golden knights jersey and putting the the gm of the golden knights on the dagger um, there's been some goalie controversy throughout the playoffs with Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, it was reported that Leonard agreed on a on a handshake extension. Um, Leonard called it, um, nothing's been finalized and called it annoying. He didn't really say no, but it just kind of brings up, like, is Marc-Andre Fleury's career done in Vegas? He, uh, he, he went on record saying he wants to finish his career in Vegas, but it might not be the the whole thing um if he can it's just gonna it's it's, it's gonna be one of those things that you you can't keep that toxic like toxic environment for both goalies when when, then this has already happened uh i I think the golden knights are gonna be forced to ask uh uh, mark andre Fleury for a trade or to get him out of vegas and it's just i i can't see them moving forward if they sign leonard and both of them being in the crease it's just gonna cause too much controversy and kind of take away from the team's chemistry uh, that's just one of those things that we're going to keep an eye on and one of those soap opera dramas that a lot of us fans do like. So I have some good news for Ducks fans regarding the Pittsburgh Penguins. They made a few trades. Uh, they traded Nick Bustad to the Wild for a conditional 2021 seventh round pick. And then they traded uh, Patrick Hornquist to the Florida Panthers in exchange for uh, one of their bottom six forwards and Mark or Mike Matheson, their defenseman. Um... Patrick Hornquist said when he found out he was getting uh, that Pittsburgh didn't want him, he was getting traded to Florida. It was an easy choice for him to waive his no uh, trade clause. They also posted a picture of him. Uh, I I believe it's his his house and him throwing his Pittsburgh uh, Penguins equipment and jersey out the window. Um, what, what's what, what makes this really interesting for Ducks fans and makes it really good for Ducks fans is their GM Rutherford. Uh, he didn't really know it, it. Like it saved him a little bit of hair on the cap space. He was just like, kind of like flabbergasted when they talked about it. And then he mentioned, "I'm not comfortable with it." It's like uh, that's via Craig Mack via the Puck Net, uh, Puck Empire. I think Rutherford is the most hated GM probably, uh, and I think he's more hated than some Ducks fans hate Murray. And I think he's probably probably one of the worst GMs in the league. So it could be worse, Ducks fans. I'm talking about. The grass isn't always greener on their side and someone like that. And you know what? I shouldn't even mention this because knowing my luck and, and Ducks fans' luck, the Samuelis will announce that they relieved um, Murray from his duties and Rutherford's our new GM. <laughs> and then we're really screwed. <laughs> yeah, that would be a nightmare sem- uh, scenario, Eddie. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, the Senators, they opted not to re-sign their, uh, I guess, their their goalie that's been their goalie for a long time. It has all the records. Craig Anderson to a new contract. Um, he played for the Hawks, the Panthers, the Avalanche, over 435 games with the Sens in 10 seasons. He's 38 years old, and he's uh, set to become a restricted, unrestricted free agent. I don't know if it's another move that Marie can try to get an older, established um, goalie to be a backup, but maybe something that 
that could be considered, and I wouldn't mind Craig Anderson uh, wearing a Ducks jersey and backing up Gibson. And also, uh, we talked about the Sens. They uh, placed and bought out former uh, Ducks forward Bobby Ryan. Uh, they felt a change was needed, and they wanted to give one of their younger guys uh, a roster spot. Uh, interesting, too, the Wild, they uh, also decided not to offer a contract to their longtime captain, Miko Koivu. Uh, you guys know the younger brother of Saku Koivu. This was kind of interesting. Um, they're not, you know, this guy's uh, been with them for a long time, been their captain, uh, been their heart and soul of the team. But you know what? It's business. Um, they did trade Eric Stahl away, which was kind of interesting because they want to make a, a big change up and a shake up in their roster, but they trade one of their best players for a while on their roster. Uh, that was just kind of weird, but you know what? Good for them. I, I, like I said, I hate the Wild more than any team in the NHL. So if they can just trade away one of their better players and get worse, then I'm all for it. Uh, another one, um, the Rangers traded the Mark Stahl to the Red Wings. Uh, they traded. Um, I guess this clears up the cap space. They also sent a second round pick to the Red Wings, but that ends their uh, his contract with that so that's the second stall that's been traded so I think all eyes are on Carolina to see if Jordan stall gets traded <laughs> that's just a joke because he won't get traded um, and other news too and something that blew up on our, our duck social media our ducks and puck social media when we posted it uh, Sean Weiss has been sober for over 200 plus days we posted this picture and it absolutely blew up and the amount of fan support for him and even uh other than ducks fan, ducks fans were re retweeting and commenting on it was this overwhelming it was great um his best friend drew gallagher has been there from day one helping him and it's been his his rock and his his confidant has been there um i did write and tagged him on social media saying uh, i really hope you let him know how much support he has through the hockey world he did like the thing. He didn't respond back, but he liked it. So that's that's a positive. I also want to shout out Dr. Rosenthal. He donated over $80,000 worth of work for Sean Weiss to get uh, new teeth, new chompers. And they post that picture. He, he looked happy. He looked healthy. And he has a long road ahead of him, but I think he's on the right path. And I, I think it's going to stick this time. And I, I, I'm, really, I'm really proud of him. And it's really inspiration, someone that we grew up watching. And this is all of our goalies, not just Ducks fans. Because I think every kid watched the Mighty Ducks movies. And that was your goalie, Goldberg. I know people didn't like Julie the Cat at first, which took his crease. But he scored the game-winning goal in that third movie. So uh, we love him for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great story, you know, with uh, Sean Weiss to see him turn around like that. I mean, that was huge uh, with all the stuff that he went through and, and just struggling and, and whatnot. So it's a really good feel, good story. Um, with that, I mean, it's kind of wraps up the league news. Uh, last little segment here, I'll have Thomas come on, and we're going to talk about the, uh, the draft and who we think the Ducks will pick. Uh, joining me now is Thomas. If uh, you're new to our show or our website, uh, Thomas Harrington does a lot of stuff for us covering the Ducks minor league players, um, the Anaheim um, Ducks as well, but mainly through the goals and European leagues and junior hockey in Canada as well. So I have him on the show um, to talk about the draft. Obviously, that's the next big thing since the uh, Stanley Cup final is over. Thanks for coming on the show, Thomas. Uh, thanks for having me. And that, that was a fun final. Yes, wasn't it? It was exciting. I, Eddie and I talked about it. We we both picked Tampa Bay, and they ended up winning. But uh, it, it was exciting for sure. Um, with that being wrapped up, and and this extremely uh, short timeline, 
Um, what do you think for the Ducks? They uh, Let's kind of remind everybody that obviously we have the sixth pick in the first round, but what else do the Ducks have? How many other picks and what rounds uh, coming up um, should we look forward to? So the Ducks, they have a total of seven picks in the draft. He said starting with sixth overall. Um, they also hold 27th overall uh, towards the end of the first round, which they got from uh, Boston in the Kasha uh, trade, uh, trade. And then they have a second round pick, which is a uh, 36th overall. So they've got three picks in the top 40, which that's great. That's really valuable. They're going to get some, there's some really great potential with all three picks. Um, and then after that, they pick 67th overall, 104th overall, 129th overall, and 160th overall. And they don't have a seventh round pick uh, this year. And with the picks, uh, so for those of you that don't know, Thomas has been writing tons of articles, which we really appreciate because he, he dives into this where I don't have time for this. <laughs> so I, I appreciate the work that he does. He did an article again like he does annually uh, with the Ducks trading up. He talked about the first um, five picks, which I put that one out. He's got several other ones that I'm going to be posting uh, leading up to the draft next week. Um, as far as the Ducks being sixth, what do you think about the Ducks trading up into the top five or maybe, you know, even trying to get their second first round pick higher in the first round? How do you think the Ducks will do? I, I would love a top five pick in this draft, but especially a top three pick. And so Alexis Lafreniere, he's going to go first overall to New York. You know, I don't I'd be shocked if they traded it. But, you know, they do have a couple of left fingers led by Artemi Pernarin who are signed long term. So they don't necessarily need help at left wing, but. I'd still be shocked if they were to trade that pick. LA has the second overall pick. Ducks and Kings don't really like each other, don't really trade together. Um, I'm pretty sure the last deal between the two teams was uh, when the Ducks sent Sean O'Donnell um, to the Kings back in 08. So it's been a good dozen years. The Ducks won't get number two overall either. The first one I think they actually have a chance at um, is the uh, third overall pick, which Ottawa has. Ottawa actually has uh, a lot of picks in this draft. Uh, they have three first-round picks, and two of them, third and fifth overall, are in the top five. The Ducks and Senators, they do have a relatively lengthy trading history. Um, there was, of course, the major Bobby Ryan deal seven years ago, and since then, there's been lots of minor trades, so I don't think it's likely for a deal to happen, but if the Ducks want to get a top three pick, this is the one for them to target. So Lafreniere is going first overall. Second and third overall will be uh, two players, um, Quentin Byfield and uh, Tim Stutzel. Most have Byfield two and Stutzel three, but some have that reversed. Byfield is that is a big center a lot. Kind of see him as um, the, potentially the next Getzloff given his size. Stutzel, he's a center winger, doesn't have that size, but uh, you know he's from Germany, and we just saw a, a German player uh, win the uh, Hart Trophy um, from Edmonton. So a lot of people are excited about this kid's future as well. So. If the Ducks want one of Stutzler Byfield, they got to go for that third overall pick. It would take quite a bit for Ottawa to give it up. It would start, of course, with the sixth overall pick because there's no way Ottawa's dropping back very far in the first round. And then the Ducks would just say, you know, here's everything we have. What do you want? <laughs> um, and you know, the Senators, they've been a tire fire for the last what is it, two or three years ago when they were in the conference finals yes um and, and ever since then they've been one of the uh worst teams in the league but because of that they also have just a ton of uh young talent in their system they've got one of the best prospect pools in the nhl and so i don't necessarily think they want young players um they're not going to say no to Rosie but i don't think that's what they really want i think they want more established players 
I think someone like uh, Raquel or someone like Lindholm, uh, they would love because that would really help speed them along in their rebuilding process to help um, shelter that young talent that they have. Now, the question for the Ducks is, is it worth giving up Raquel, sixth overall, probably the 27th overall pick, and then more to move up just a few spots to get one of Byfield or Stutzel? That's asking a lot. Personally, I think that's asking too much, but if the, if let's say Byfield is there and the Ducks view Byfield as as the next gets off, then yes, that deal is going to be worth trading Raquel to first and something else. If it's Tutsal, I think he's very good. Personally, I'm not quite as high on him, so I don't think I would, again, go without, give up that same amount, but if Anaheim views it differently and views Tutsal as that piece they definitely need to have, then sure, it's worth it. But again, I don't know if Otto would be willing to trade out of that pick. Um, the only reason why I think they might is because they are also have that fifth overall pick. So they're still going to have two picks in the top six if they trade back from three to six. And that's why I think that's the one that's the most likely to happen in the top three. But again, I find it very unlikely to happen, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I was laughing because I was reading your article on that one. Oh, I mean, I've read them all, but that one was the one that I had already published. And I was cracking up because you talked about the Kings and how the Ducks don't trade with the Kings. So, you read my mind because before I even read the article, I'm like, okay, he's going to have these scenarios on there. I know the Kings are going to be out. That's exactly what you said. So I was cracking up on that. I, I am with you. I think Ottawa is the one that's intriguing because of how many picks they have. And, there's, and, and of course, having these higher picks in the first round. Um, but, you know, it's like what you said. I was really high on Byfield um, before. So that was kind of the one I was looking at. And then I hear the Kings might be passing on him now. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of different stuff being said. We all know it's, you know, it's going to change on a daily basis, um, basically. But let's say that none of these work out, right? And the Ducks do uh, hold at number six with their, you know, first pick in the first round. Who do you think that they take? At, you know, the first three are locked. Uh, what do you think? There's a lot of talk about Drysdale and Rossi, uh, Perfetti, all these people. What do you think after the top three, if the Ducks stay at number six, uh, who, who's your you know best one or two guesses that they would uh, pick? So this is a really weird draft cast because um, because of the coronavirus pandemic, you know there were no playoffs in uh, European leagues in juniors. Um, NC the uh, NCAA canceled their season early, so. This is one of the least scout draft, draft classes is, um, in decades. So we, we don't really know what some of these players will do in that pressure situation. Um, so that's leading to a lot of fluidity and rankings I've been seeing as I've been going over these players. So there's the consensus top three of Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzel. And then from four to probably eight, nine, or ten, I've seen five to seven players where their names are pretty much just interchangeable. You've got Jimmy Drysdale. He is a right-hand shooting defenseman and is... Um, pretty much the consensus best defenseman in the draft. You've got Cole Perfetti, who um, he's uh, like Stutzel. Uh, he's a center left winger and just oodles of skill. The uh, What were the numbers he put up last year? Let me see real fast. I've got this written down. Uh, but I, I'm with you as far as it being interchangeable, uh, you know, in that group. And then, like you said, what makes this very difficult is a good point you brought up is because of uh, all the lockdowns and the different things going on and the leagues being shortened it's i think this is one of the most difficult years to decide you know who you're going to go for uh, when everybody's season and film has been cut a little bit short because of what's gone on so it, it definitely makes it more interesting especially outside the top three as you mentioned yeah so perfetti he is one of the best passers in the in the draft he um last year he played 61 games and he had 74 assists um, so just 
ace who per passer ducks could use more snipe more snipers than passers but it's hard to pass on that kind of uh passing skill and then uh, besides Perfetti and Rice, there was also a uh, Lucas Raymond who he's been playing in the uh, SHL um, as a 17-year-old. So he's playing in a men's league as a, as a, uh, a a child essentially, and he is he doesn't have the high-end skill that some of these other players around him have, um, but he's just one of the most complete players that are expected to go in the top 10. You know, Swedish Swedish player who plays a complete 20-foot game. That sounds like right up Bob Murray's alley. Exactly. Um, and then you've got uh, center Marco Rossi. Um, similar to Perfetti, he just had put up a ton of points uh, last year. Uh, he played in the OHL, and in 56 games, he had 120 points. So he's averaging Damn. over two points per game. Yeah. Um, he is one of the top centers in this draft. It, depend, it depends on exactly who you count as a center and a winger. Um, if you count Perfetti and Stutzel as wingers and not centers, then Rossi is probably the second best center behind only by field. Gotcha. And then there's also Alexander Holtz. Uh, similar to Raymond, he's been playing in the SHL as a 17-year-old. Um, his game isn't as well-rounded as Raymond, but he is arguably the best pure sniper in this draft. And what do the Ducks need? They need a goal scorer. Hell yeah. Uh, picturing him next to Zegras uh, in a couple of years, I mean, that sounds like an awesome pairing. I mean, you've got uh, Zegras who does the, has those video game type passes, and you've got uh, Holtz who just he knows how to put the puck in the back of the net. His game isn't as well rounded as Raymond, so Murray might prefer Raymond over Holtz. But I could see I could see uh, Murray uh, going with Holtz um, because of that goal scoring. And I, though I think the Ducks will probably choose one of those five players. Um, there are a couple of other really interesting players who some people have in the top ten. There's Jack Quinn. He's a he's a winger. He's another sniper like Holtz. There is uh, Yaroslav Askarov, who's a goaltender. Um, so I don't think the Ducks are going to take him. But uh, he's kind of the wild card. Some people view him as like the next elite franchise goaltender the way Price was viewed back in his draft year. And Price was a top 10, not top 5 pick. So um, Askarov could really just, if let's say um, Ottawa takes him at 3rd or 5th overall, that really changes how the rest of the draft board is going to go. And then another player who a lot of people uh, could think would be very good is uh, Anton Lundell. He's another pure center like Rossi and Byfield, and after those two, might be the third best center uh, in the draft. But I, I think for the Ducks, I think they're looking at Drysdale, Perfetti, Raymond, Rossi, and Holtz. I think it comes down to one of those five players. And uh, since the Ducks are picking at sixth overall of those five players, at least three of them are going to be there uh, when the Ducks make their selection, maybe even more depending on if Ottawa or Detroit goes off the board. So I think I think the top three picks are set, but again, if Ottawa takes Askarov or if Detroit um, goes off the board and say takes Jake Sanderson, who's the uh, second uh, highest-rated defenseman in the draft instead of Drysdale, then that can really change how things go and what the Ducks uh, might or might not pick, might not do. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Like you said, I, you know, we'll see the first, you know, one, two, three. Pretty sure they're locked, like you said. And then after that, I think the excitement unfolds. Uh, I guess final question here. What do you think <clears throat> Murray does with the draft overall with all his picks? Do you think he's still going to try to go more by best position available? Or do you think he's going to be trying to look at needs of the team or, or maybe a combination of both? So I think Murray usually does do a combination of both. I think he usually looks at the best player available. But if, let's say, he's got a center, like let's say he has Drysdale and Rossi ranked the exact same, there's not really a difference in his mind in terms of future impact. If the team needs more defensemen than centers, he would take Rossi. If the team needs more defensemen, then he would take Drysdale. So I think he looks at best player first. But then if two players are roughly equitable in his mind, 
they're going to go with what the system needs. And I, I think a good example of this is actually last year's draft. Mm-hmm. Um, their first two picks, the Ducks took Zgrass and Tracy, two forwards. And then over the final five picks, four of those were defensemen. Jackson McCombie, Henry Thrun, William Francis, and Matthew Hill. And I, I think that was very intentional because so many defensemen in the Ducks system has graduated to the NHL or left the organization over the last couple of years. They really wanted to restock that talent. So I think they said, you know what? Thrun's available um, at 101st overall. And I bet there was another winger who they probably had rated relatively similar, but they went with a defenseman because that was what the team really needed. I think they did do a pretty good job of restocking the defense last year. I do expect a couple, but I don't expect um, four four out of five picks to go uh, defensively for the Ducks this year. But I I think that sixth pick, they were definitely going to go who they think is the best player because when you're picking this high in the draft, it doesn't happen very often. You really just got, you don't look at the organization, you look at, who is the best player? Is that Rossi? Is that Raymond? Is that Holtz? Whoever it happens to be, you take that one. For Murray, I think it's probably going to be one of Drysdale, Raymond, or Rossi, one of those three. One is guaranteed to be there. It wouldn't shock me if all three were there. Drysdale, he is the best defenseman in the draft. He's a right-hand defenseman. You know, He's the kind of player teams will just you know give an arm and a leg for. Rossi being the second-best center, the points he puts up, if he and Zegers both work out, that would give the Ducks center that they haven't seen in years. And then Raymond, I think, um, is likely just because he is that well-rounded Swedish player that Murray and the scouting staff really love. And frankly, we haven't seen them choose a player like that last year. The last time they really took a, took a player from Sweden was uh, Lundstrom uh, way back in 2018, 23rd overall. So it wouldn't shock me to see them go back to Sweden for that sixth overall pick. Awesome. A lot to digest and look at. Uh, look forward to the draft and uh, appreciate all the work that you do, uh, Thomas. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And that's going to wrap up our show for this time. Uh, next time, Eddie and I will be back. We'll talk about the uh, draft when it concludes. We'll also look at the free agency when the window opens up. In the meantime, stay strong, stay safe, be kind, and love one another. And as always, let's go, Ducks. <laughs>